0: Hi, welcome to Chatting Pictures, the Irish Film Review. This week on the centenary of Bloody Sunday, we've decided to do a special episode or a series of episodes on Michael Collins because it took five hours to record them, so we thought we'd give you all the content. This is part one of three of Michael Collins. I hope you enjoy. Camera rolling. Camera rolling. Great stuff, great stuff. Sign. I'm in my style, my nice uh, Newton shirt, GAA top here. Mm. Am I, I'm in my, probably enough, Pierce's GAA treasure. Cool. And I'm in my clothes. You got your nice iron sweater there. Look at your iron sweater all o- metered
1: out. <laughs> Challenging pictures
0: here. Fucking, this is going to be a good one, I think. Yeah. So part, of, part of a nutritious uh, GA side. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> right, this week we got Ruby Blue Vodka. It's a small batch potato vodka handcrafted in Ireland. It actually comes from Lisburn um we're celebrating the potato vodka because potching is illegal um but what would michael collins say i'm pretty sure he would have had some potching but this some chatting pictures the best that we can do so i'm going to record this now to see what it's like the old potato vodka <coughs> smells nice and clean smells nice and clean should i give myself a wee dram have a dram That's nice, like. Clean, is it? Yeah, you don't even need any. You literally do not need any mixer for that. There's
1: a good crisp pop to it, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and you know what? It's not warming of the... It's slightly warming in a bit later. It's got a nice aftertaste as well. It's not like normal. You know, potato vodkas can be sometimes really, really bad. But actually, this is really nice. Well done, Ruby Blue vodka. I like it. Good pop. Good pop. Hi, welcome to Chatting Pictures, the Irish film review, sponsored by Hang Sandwich.
2: Funny, pony, airy Quality apparel, fast delivery.
0: And find us at hangsandwich, H-A-N-G, sandwich.com. Now, this week, we're actually reviewing the film Michael Collins on what is the centenary of the bloody Sunday massacre in Croke Park.
1: Exactly 100 years to this very moment, as in we are still on the anniversary. Um, 14 people were killed in Croke Park. Uh, by British auxiliary military forces, official ones. Um, One of many, many atrocities that the British government uh, exacted upon not just Ireland, but across their empire to uh, the native populaces. Um, And it has been presented
0: uh, very uh, stirringly in this film. I can't wait to get talking about it. I'm looking forward to talking about this film as well. This week, as usual, we've got our panellists, William Devine, Bonnie Baby, Hang Sandwich, designer, civil servant, and he's got a weapon more powerful than the whole of the arsenal of the British Empire, and that weapon is his refusal. Welcome Uh, to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. I thought you were going to say it's a a sod of turf on fire, (laughs) but I will take it. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How was your week? Uh, It's been... I'm pretty good, eh? yeah. I've been riling myself up. I've watched this film like three times, you know, so I'm basically ready to go at them. Good, good, good.
0: You know, we've been uh, fighting the British Empire for 800 years. We fought them with our tears. Ah,
2: we did. Some say that the devil was dead and right. buried in Clarnay as well, but some say he rose again and joined the East uh, British Army. <laughs> <laughs> very
0: nice, very nice. And also this week we've got James McInnesby, YouTuber, podcaster, a uh, star of chatting pictures, absent father, absent father. <laughs> three, three of those four things are true. Yeah. <laughs> James is very much exceeding his briefs at the minute, but I always say bullshit. He's a minister for gun daylight robbery, and general mayhem. Welcome to the podcast this week, James.
1: Up on anarchy, yeah, <laughs> better anarchy than civil war, am I right? <laughs>
0: and how was your week? Very
1: eventful. I may or may not be redundant at this moment.
2: I'm not entirely sure, but I should probably keep that confidential. I do believe he is redundant to this podcast, though.
0: I don't think he's redundant. He's a very... Utterly,
3: utterly
2: redundant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this week we were reviewing Michael Collins. Has everyone watched the film this week? Yeah, as I said, I've watched it three or three times. Maybe four or five. But I kind of got into the ideas of... uh, hitting the cans, so <laughs> I don't know well I was very
1: confused um, Michael Collins that's the that's the guy who landed on the moon didn't no. get out the space capsule
0: Exactly. well that is true actually yeah. he was in the he was in the space so were we supposed to watch that Ryan Gosling film no we were supposed to watch the standard Kubrick version of this movie which one was that the moon landing he directed oh, the moon landing <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to tell the listeners a bit about the plot of Michael Collins for anyone who doesn't know In 1916, during the revolt known as the Easter Rising, Irish revolutionaries surrendered to the overwhelming military power of the British Army after six days of resistance from their headquarters of the post office in Dublin. Among the revolutionary leaders, the only American citizen, Eamon de Valera, is spared from the firing squad. Many followers, including Michael Collins and his once close friend, Harry Boland, end up in prison. Once released, the two find themselves being the new leaders of the Irish independence movement. Collins throws himself headlong into a political and military struggle against British rule, travelling the country and making converse with his highly effective speeches and with his magnetic personality. After a violent confrontation with the Royal Irish Police, his injuries are treated by Kitty Kiernan, a young woman whose beauty and independence grabs the attention of both Collins and Boyland. Collins organises a secret fearless force, the Irish Volunteers, which launches attacks out of nowhere against the British Army and the British Police. So Michael Collins is the story of the life and times of Michael Collins.
1: He sort of uh, pioneered a new type of warfare. It was a warfare that had been used by the Boers in South Africa, or what is now known as South Africa, Uh, where the British set up the first concentration camps. Indeed, yeah, indeed. And uh, I do believe there was Irish men who went out to fight against the Empire for the Boers. Again, I'll go back to uh, playing by the Western World. There's a line on it. The Playboy first enters a new town, and they're like, what, what, what's so big about you? Were you off fighting for the Boers?
3: But he brought
1: this, and he brought it to an urban setting in, you know,
0: Dublin, which was the second city of the empire, and... Uh, six minutes behind London. In GMT? Yes. Actually. During the, during the 1916 rising, there was problems with the... um There was problems on getting information from London to Dublin, because they were six minutes behind. Yeah, six six minutes behind Dublin, but yet we've been waiting for 800 years for freedom. Exactly, exactly.
2: What do you mean? These ones are only waiting 700. I right, don't think anymore, are they? Oh, well, well, well. Don't start me, all right? <laughs> well, this is the time to start. Why keep get started? Yeah,
0: I need to get William riled up here. The agent of the
2: British Empire himself. Yeah, indeed, yes. The only
1: one taking coin directly from them.
2: Uh, I think they'll find that... Leaders of the Easter Rising were also civil servants for the British Empire. Some of whom stopped the slavery in uh, the Congo by Roger, the Belgians. Roger Kissman. Mm-hmm.
3: James Connolly, was a socialist. Uh, he was trying to get uh, worker strikes in Glasgow
1: uh, before he uh, before he came to Dublin. Uh, he does actually have. He is actually part of a mural in the uh, just the dockers in North Belfast. And he used to near Turnbury's old Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, so that's where he was active before he joined up with the uh, Rebellion, the Rising.
2: Very nice, very nice. We're full of facts here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all facts, <all, all> <laughs> no funny. There's nothing I'm funny about freedom, my Exactly. <laughs>
0: Except jokes, you <even>. what, <laughs> what freedom? We don't have any freedom. We're still under the yoke. Under the thumb. Under the
2: yoke of the British Empire. Exactly. Of
0: QE2. Yeah. Thankfully, none of my taxes go to the uh, British Crown now.
2: You're supposed what? to the Irish Crown,
0: weren't they? Mine goes to the Irish Crown in Dublin, yeah.
2: At the crown of Ireland.
0: Michal Martin himself.
1: <laughs> well, I said this, right? Um... I it's now going to the point where I'll have to start doing my tax return and it will be directed towards the Westminster Treasuries. Uh I do not feel like paying for it right now because they've just announced sixteen point five billion pounds on a fucking defence fund to uh, fucking protect some empire that no longer
0: exists. Yeah.
1: What the fuck is sixteen point five billion pound gonna to do to the fucking defence fund? Is
0: this the trident?
2: No, no trident is five trillion separate from it. Five trillion? Yeah, every and they, year. Where's yeah. that blatant magic money you coming from the, the Scots are going to keep it too When they go independent And sell it back to them Yeah shoot <laughs> Well don't sell it back to so them Just fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, use it as a bargaining chip to get independence. Like if only Ireland had like nuclear missiles on her land. They might they load it back to Jerry Adams here and he can keep it from <laughs> <him>. <laughs> Then he can ask for the same. I actually someone sent me the tweet of Jerry Adams with the uh, Christmas lights and someone wrote under or Eddie Azard wrote under it. I'm sure you know someone who's got a timer. <laughs> it's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> goodie yeah. It's an oldie but a goodie. Um, so this actually, would you believe, well, I do believe it, this film was actually the highest grossing Irish film in the world. Ever? Ever. It made $27 million at the box office. Pretty big, pretty
1: big. Well, The Crying Game was about
2: $60 in the US, so that was, I think it was the second biggest movie. I don't know. Is it? Hold on a second here. Well, I think Michael Collins was like the, uh... Biggest gross in, in Ireland. In Ireland, yeah. Was that before or after Titanic? I'm
0: not sure. Like,
2: like, that's, that's... I think this was released in '98, was it not? '96. '96. When was Titanic released? '97. Ah, uh, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if it's a good one. Because like, you think Titanic is, would be, would be bigger. But was... well, see, Titanic had a very real Irish connection
0: as well. All yeah. uh-huh. oh, my Anima was. Bonged yeah, out for yeah. a week. So we went to see it in the 12th week of release. Yeah, same area. Yeah. And we could, we, that's because we couldn't get in to see it.
1: Like, I, I'd never experienced that before or since. Like, a, a film having that much of a uh, an impact on just everyone, like, that yeah. everyone wanted to see it. Because it was a story that you knew
2: all about. The first, the main voyage and all. And, but we'll do that in some nautical nostalgia, perhaps. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Michael Collins was like the Titanic and the British Empire was the iceberg. Say the other way about No, because a uh, Michael concert, and end up that too well. Or. Well, you
0: know, when an unstoppable force meets another yeah. unstoppable force, then, you know, things happen, things happen. This film actually became the highest-grossing film ever in Ireland upon its release, making €4 million. Euro. Uh, in 2000, it was second only to Titanic, so Titanic actually overtook it. It garnered positive reviews but was mildly criticised for some of its historical inaccuracies. <laughs>
1: Never, never put facts in the road of a good story. Eh? Exactly, that's uh, that's been the uh, modus operandi of the British media <laughs> for the last 50
0: years. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, you know, the second Bloody Sunday that happened in Ireland, just like the first one, they were blaming the people, the people who shot first. During the um, the media reports that came out after the original Bloody Sunday in Ireland, that they were saying that people in the crowd were shooting at the the police. Um, and again, this is what happened in. Uh, Derry as well they were saying that people were shot upon them and yet where is our apology from that David Cameron <laughs> you may ha- you didn't actually apologise you didn't say the word sorry did it well it shouldn't be him
1: it should be QE2 who's given the actual apology as far as I'm concerned yeah uh, the representatives of the monarchy have never apologised or condemned the activities of people who were uh, acting in their name
0: and, yeah, and exactly and it's her name it's her majesty's yes. government or, during Michael Collins, his Majesty's government. Yeah. Where Where are they? Sitting in their billion pound grossing estates. Yeah, shooting pheasants and, uh, yeah. do we need tampons for their mistress. Exactly. <laughs> and, like <laughs> <Marcus laughs> <Everett. laughs> Well, it actually started off with the blowing up of Mount Uh So I did actually
1: watch that. Um, uh, and I just joined in at season four, episode one, because I wanted to actually be what everyone's about. Uh, and I watched about 20 minutes but I couldn't get any further um I watched up until the explosion but it, it all just seemed you know the Royals have such difficult times that they all mm-hmm. the f- dresses they have to go through which is uh, a legitimate a legitimate thing to dramatize um but it just felt all too much like the poor pursa Goshes, you know they have to keep up their estates they have to uh, have to you know walk down another refinery so you know, that's exact
0: like. exactly what down to you know, no drama occurred there, apart from, oh, someone had sex before marriage. Like, this is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. You know, where's the shows about the downtrodden Irish people?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Living
0: in their one-bedroom houses, paying their absentee landlord from Britain rent.
1: Yeah, not getting old because they don't pay rent, rates, even though the rates are bumping into their rent.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's is, what is another thing as well, you know, let, created an apartheid state, which I'll get onto later in this movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I assume when Macca said that he got up to the, part, part, the point of the crown where my bat was blown up, it's because that's when he exploded. <laughs> and tidy up the room. <laughs> <laughs> much, much is the same as my bat. I'm sure it would have done with those uh, small boys on that boat.
1: <laughs> I, d- I didn't watch any further. Um, I, I, I mean, I, people enjoy The Crown, uh, fair enough.
0: Um, I'm not it was them. number one in Ireland on Netflix, and I was like, what is wrong with you people?
1: Well, exactly, and then you had politicians saying, Look at the look at the hurt the IRA caused and it's like, Well, hang on a second, you're in a free democracy because of the hurt the IRA caused, you know, as represented in Michael
0: Collins. And Michael Collins, but the problem with the people who live in the free state, they always think that their IRA were the good guys.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: and our IRA are the bad guys. Yeah. We're the terrorists. Look at any sort of um, voting thing. What's Leo doing? Continually attacking uh Michael Collins? Or continue attacking Sinn Fein because they are terrorists. Where did his party come from? The leader, Evan De Valera, the pr- pr- president of Ireland is right, We're going to shoot other Irish people and all this. So Irish you know what? Yeah, they're absolutely disgusting. You know, and it's never been resolved, and it won't be resolved until we get this United Ireland. Until so we get a new Ireland, yeah, yeah. The Good IRA
1: and like there's the Good UVF now, where you can fly the flags. Uh, if if you if we call that the Good VVF, you know, you have to let them find the flags, but you have to also acknowledge that 50 years after that, uh, there was a part of that, uh, situations where people were utterly, utterly oppressed, and now suddenly they have been given, uh, well, they had been given an example 50 years earlier of how it works, and uh, as Michael Collins said in this film, I hate them because they've left us no way out. It's the only language they will ever understand is when you actually start uh not even, you know, killing people. When you start, like, attacking their economic uh, targets, uh, that's when they start turning their heads. Like So Dublin was the second city of the Empire. This is what its nickname was. Yeah. And it's why around Dublin 4 and, you know, the outskirts like, of Dublin are all very plush. And they're big, big, wide streets and wide
0: vistas. Yeah. Because that's where, you know, the, the top people in the Empire were were stationed outside of London.
1: To make money. And um, but- Michael Collins just looking. Just put so much pressure on that, and that they couldn't maintain a uh, a, a Pax Romana, if you want. But that's when they had to start turning around and talking to them.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's no, funny you said that because uh, this week I was literally talking to somebody about Canary Wharf being bombed. Mm-hmm. They didn't know they really were able to up Canary Wharf. Really? It was literally like be a couple, couple of weeks. Like Canary Wharf was was it how, was it about fourteen 10, 10. fourteen months. After there was a ceasefire for fourteen months, and there was meant to be talks between like the British government and and Ireland about. John uh, well, to, to uh,
1: Major took very courageous steps
2: in that direction. and be uh, he should be uh, championed for that. Which but he doesn't get. For fourteen months there was a ceasefire. and The ceasefire was because of talks, and for uh, fourteen months it's the British government basically done nothing, and they <laughs> they raid really called off the ceasefire blew up Canary Wharf which is yes. obviously a big economic thing and about four days later the bombs yeah. started and that was it. The, uh, the, then they sort of uh, okay yeah we
1: see we, we see your fucking, <laughs> we see your point now. So yeah so the, that's the other thing the IRA had already made you know activities in the British mainland so they had the Birmingham bombs the Guilford bombs uh, the Hyde Park bombs they had been active in these areas but the British government didn't give a fuck like the Empire did yeah. not recognise them but well, as soon as they hit an empty building in Canary Wharf... Oh yeah, bullshit. Uh, what were you saying there?
0: That's a modus operandi of the British government. Of the empire, yeah. Exactly, the empire. The empire that's still lording us over at the Occupy Six Counties, <laughs> where the Drum Picture House we're sitting in. The Drum picture yeah. Watching the history of Michael Collins. This week, the usual research was going on while I was sunning myself in sunny
2: Dublin. How is Dublin this, this weather? It's pretty run down At the minute Dirty
0: old town It is a dirty old town I have to say But you know what the, what Dublin without the pubs Is very Meh You know You could do the tours.
1: Liter- you could do the Bloomsday tour On your
0: own Well actually I went to the, I went
2: to the place Where he ate his oysters One time Oh yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to go there I saw that on TV There's something Going up. This looks like a nice place Yeah it's alright
0: Is it's this nice. like an old Old pub isn't No it? actually it's a new place now Oh is it now Yeah it's, it's really It's really modern And Actually, the tables weren't that clean, so I'll give it a trip (laughs) advisor. Between the years of COVID. Yeah. Flat
1: zero. (laughs) We'll return with two travel laws in the morning.
2: (laughs) Actually, this is the second travel law because I want to, I'm going to get soon an update from our friend in Austria to find out if he's still number two on trip advisor for his uh, room. So in this film, there was uh, Liam Neeson. That's correct.
0: David Mason is in this film, yes. Yeah, yeah. he played the titular role that was uh, Michael Collins. Yes, that's correct. Who else is in this film? Uh, Julia Roberts, the woman who doesn't shave her armpits. She was in this movie. She doesn't shave her armpits? Yeah, there's a famous photo of her with her arm up with uh, hair underneath it. Like a nice French girl. Yeah. It's her um, body, her choice more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also in this film, there was um, the guy that was in The Butcher Boy which we'll be reviewing at a later date as well. Stephen uh, Ray. Is that his name?
2: Stephen
0: Ray, yeah. yeah. And who uh, else more did um, There was the man that was in that that magical series about the, the wee wizardy boy. Oh, yeah, Alan Rickman.
2: Alan Rickman, the yeah. Wee, that wee wizardy boy, <laughs> Harry Potter. I really Harry Potter, Potter
0: <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> well, I've actually never seen it or read it.
1: Almost certainly the biggest pop culture... Things happened in the 21st century without question. Like in the Western Anglophone world, Harry Potter.
2: <laughs> the Wee wasn't anybody. I mean, wasn't anybody? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm
0: uh, I'm the host of a movie podcast here, like an Irish movie podcast, not an American slash British movie podcast. oh
2: uh, too Yes, yeah, true. Uh there also another person from Harry Potter in this film? Brandon Gleason's also
0: in it. Brandon yes. Gleason's in, in this movie. Yeah. See, I still don't know if I know him. We need to watch a film with Brandon Gleason well, in so I can actually see well, who yeah, he is. Literally
2: just it. <laughs> <laughs> literally on the screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: well, I didn't recognize him.
2: Yeah, he doesn't have a big part in this. He's kind of if um Cuthbert or not. If no, he's he Liam Tobin, basically, uh, he's you see him a few times. You know at uh, the, the end where he's during the pub and car. He's older. only dressed
0: up in a uniform playing fiddle. Ah yes, yes. Actually he did look a little bit familiar. Aye. Also, uh I was gonna say Jacob Rees Mogg is in this, but what's the call? What's his name? Rees Myers.
2: Yeah, That's Jonathan rees Myers. Yes, yeah, this is famous This this film's famous for so the fact that the man that played Henry VIII killed Michael Collins.
0: Yeah. This film really does have a portrait that Eamon D'Avela had Michael Collins killed. What's your views on this? Uh
1: the film doesn't say that explicitly
0: mm, it kind
1: of does
3: it suggests
1: that Reese Myers uh, took the idea because he didn't get an answer and went on his own that's what I took from that scene that he he didn't get an answer when he was when Demolair was hiding behind the the hay bale uh, so he just said he just took it upon himself oh this is what he's asking for then he didn't
2: give me a refusal or even yeah. he hasn't agreed to me yeah well, I I was to say I watched it a couple of times and I looked at that scene and the first time, I remember, like we had the VHS of this in our house, Michael Collins, and uh, I've all, I've always assumed he kind of walks off screen. There's not there's hardly any scenes in this film where you see anybody walking off screen, I except agree. for that part. They're kind of doing that, so he walks off screen. John Reese Myers wits for a second, and he kind of get a feeling that he's turned around, told him and yeah, then go and give him tell him what to where to go. And give the order, but then I watched this week as well, and I, I've, I've seen it. And it was like, I think maybe he just took it on himself because he was a bit of a dick, like John. His character was a bit yeah, of a like, as well. Film, yeah. So, but um, I don't know what way. I think they just done it like that, so you don't know. But I think everybody believes that yes, he probably did in but, real life. I yeah. So even though he said he probably he never did.
1: I was going to say I don't actually know much about Eamon Delmarine uh, so I don't know much about his character whether he'd be capable of you know, placing an order like that the film implied like earlier in the movie when uh, uh, Michael Collins goes to him I'm um, going to respect the, the will of the people I need mean, you to know that you're going to do the same and he walks off and doesn't answer you know, yeah. it seemed to be that his way of giving uh, an order in the affirmative was just a not answer yeah. yeah. it was something that he didn't want to have to admit to later on it,
0: what is what it seems to be presenting? what do you think i uh, even definitely i definitely have michael collins killed he's given these speeches you know about like rivers of irish blood and blah 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 yeah. so, so was
2: was, this, which was like a patrick uh, pierce quote that was patrick pierce well it was, used yeah, it, thought, it, it was him it was him that said it about ireland just killed only
0: Well, this is the joys of Michael Collins. Anyway, why I'm so... uh... (laughs) Joys of fighting against
1: an empire that uh, seems to hold you under its boot.
0: And we are still fighting against that empire with this podcast every week. Yeah. Represent. That's why new Ireland
1: TV is going to be uh, the new TV station that I'm working on diligently. Uh, It's going to be a way for us to to, uh, self-assert ourselves as a 32-county island nation. I'm going to be having discussions like this, but also just general entertainment and education and all sorts of stuff. Basically, we're going to just have uh, just a third a third choice in Irish media culture because we're not really getting the voices from the North when it comes to an all-Ireland discussion. No. Beyond GAA, really, which is always sort of within the sphere of sport. But we're not really getting our voices sort of amplified across an island, even, you know, with party politics. I don't want to get too much into it. There, is, there does seem to be two separate, uh, parallel parties within... You know the biggest uh, party in the island was is the Sinn Féin. You know there's the Northern Party and the Southern Party. Yeah, um, and they do sort of work in tandem.
0: But you have to you have to pander to both. Well, you have to you have to yeah you have to exist
1: in the real politic of the day. You have to you know there's different ways and means sides that there is up north. So I want to basically uh, have a voice, and I want to hear. Uh, I want to give a platform to people just to tell their truth, and that's even from the other side. Uh, so we'll be. I'll be trying to reach out, because that's what we need to do when we're trying to form a new Ireland.
0: Exactly, and this is... to invite the other side over. Yeah, and this is the problem that I have with um, the whole, like, peace process and all this, is that where is the truth and reconciliation? How can you get over it? They're actually making everything, everything, Everything wants everything to be pulled apart, and they want to have the Protestants against the Catholics, the Republicans against the Unionists, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead of giving out compensation, hush, 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 why don't they actually have a truth a truth and reconciliation yeah, that's no, like absolutely no court cases, nothing. Just get the truth out. But yeah. the British government will not and never air their dirty laundry until they have to, until yeah. it's dragged out of them. Um like for example, the Ballymurphy
1: massacre um is a notorious sort of another massacre where as far as I understand it, British soldiers came into the uh, sort of council estate in Ballymurphy, and they she started open fire.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: and again, it was double figure, you know, death rate. But no one knows about it. Uh, well, there's been a big campaign in Belfast. Yes, here. Yeah, here exactly. we know
0: about it, but four, no one else knows about it. Channel Four it. did a big documentary
1: about it last year. To be fair. And yeah. That's... So they did amplify it that way. But uh, so they did that. They campaigned. They got all the way to Whitehall uh, to get the files released about what actually happened the High Court or the Home Secretary, I'm not sure who it was, said the files must be sealed for another
0: 90 years. What, pretty Patel?
1: No, it was before her. It would have been under camera, I think.
0: I'm not sure. Theresa Mayhem. But
1: anyway, uh, 90 years they were see the files for her. like There's yeah. absolutely no fucking reason for that. You know, it, it's either so damning that nobody alive wants to have to admit that this happened in the public sphere or it's just being callously vindictive against the people who are trying to find out what happened to their children. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, it's like, that mentality, it, it's just bred into them. like, And they define themselves by their birth and their property holdings. So as long as their property holdings extends to Belfast, they have the right to do whatever the fuck they wanted and they never have to answer for it. That's in their heads.
0: But they've never answered for it. They don't answer for anything. Well, yeah, in their heads,
1: they convince themselves that God has given them the right to do this. And that's, that's how they justify to themselves all these atrocities. And... Um, so I want to, I want to, I want to have a, a sort of platform that will spread out to Ireland and across the world. By the way, because now with the internet and streaming services, I can broadcast these across the world and not have to worry about uh, you know Ofcom regulations or any of that shit. Like I, I can actually say stuff, or I can have people say their truth, uh, and not have to worry about uh, oh, is it before the watershed, or is it any of these sort of stuff. So get on board, new TV station, new Ireland TV the station for a new Ireland.
0: Right, William, how would you like to tell us a little bit more about the actors? Okay, um,
2: well, Aidan mm-hmm. Quinn plays Harry Boland. Yes. Very good. I thought he was pretty yeah. good in that Now, I think he um, he probably, there was, at the time, he was quite popular, I'd say. He was going to get big, you know? But they never really made it. They tried to make him a leading man. He was just never, like, a leading man, you know? I mean, they tried to make him a hard throw. Uh, so he was he like... had those eyes, though. Marty commented on those blue eyes cool. he had in this film.
0: Uh, yeah exactly he did have nice blue eyes I have to say
1: so um. he was in a sort of uh, a sort of melodramatic uh, Hollywood movie called Legends
2: of the Fall yeah I, uh, them, I it,
1: Legends of the Fall I thought it was just too twee or something so, mm-hmm. like there was something really corny about it or something but it had great actors like Brad Pitt and Aidan Quinn and Anthony Hopkins and there was a scene where they fought, fought a bear
0: but I just found it so like fascinatingly
2: flying or something welcome to chatting pictures the American film review <laughs> uh, Ian Hart plays Joe O'Reilly Ian Hart must be the most underrated Irish actor ever
0: who was Joe O'Reilly in this?
2: he's like he's you know the wee fell that's there <laughs> when he dies like oh god Mick don't go Ah, oh, yeah he was good he was really he's good, good. Eh? he's not the most underrated really Irish actor
0: because he's uh left back he played for
2: Leeds and has
1: <laughs> 70 Irish caps no it wasn't him uh, he's actually from Liverpool. I was going to say, I think he's yeah, English, but he's in so many Irish films. He's so ridiculous. Well, like. Yeah,
2: he is. He's a class actor-like. And, uh, he's absolutely brilliant. Eh? I think I saw him in some some TV show that was cancelled after the first series with Courtney Cox, and he was brilliant though. Oh, Scandal. Oh, yeah. yeah so I he, love Scandal. He, he <laughs> was in it. He was like the paparazzi guy. Aye, uh, that's what I... Uh, he was absolutely he brilliant. Turrette or something. Yeah, it's very good. Who else was in it? Stephen Ray and Ed Broughy. Broy? Broy, sorry. Broy. Mm. Broy. <laughs> uh, Brian Lee Gleason, as you said, is Liam Tobin. Jared McSorley is Cattle Brea. Oma's own? his own, aye. Father Ted's own. Yes, Todd Unchis. What's his name now, yeah? Michael Collins, the man that won the war! Ah yes, yes, yes. He's so everything the scene he has, he's angry. Because there's a part when he's in the meeting, he's like... HOW DARE YOU!!! well yeah that's because uh so his performance is actually
1: really good now i i think that the scene in the uh debate is actually taken from actual records. yeah record, yeah uh, uh, so they were just interpreting the lines as if they were trans- reading transfer so i but i don't imagine and i don't know this for certain but i don't imagine it was quite as animated uh, yeah but it did give it a really shakespearean um, you know, theater to it, which it's a movie. Like you, like, you have the license to do that. And he was just so. It, it was classic, just bringing out. You won the recent war and getting so you know self righteous
2: like how dare you insult the, the martyrs in nineteen sixteen. Like how you know. Yeah. Like uh, every time as I said when we were watching the bits of the film, that any time I think of Michael Collins, I always think the first thing I think of is. The man who won the war. <laughs> <laughs> or suddenly says the words Michael Collins <laughs> in a conversation. It's the conversation. Oh, no. the It's the first thing just pops into my head every time I see it. Um, Owen Rowe plays Arthur Griffith. I have uh, to say, quite a pretty good acting. They look quite like him. Like yeah, it. The, the the casting overall, just for yeah, visuals, yeah, was, was brilliant look. Liam Neeson did kind of look like Michael, really Michael, really. Michael Collins, did he? And uh, Devalera. Demi- uh, Demi- oh, Demi- I'll make played Devil Charles Dance plays songs in it. Yeah, one of the Lannisters. The Lannister always plays his debts. That, uh, he does that. Uh, That's crazy. why he puts a half crown with a. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gentleman. <laughs> <or something. laughs> uh, would you take that half crown out of him? Half crown's a
1: big fucking tip. Like. It's a half crown, not like Like
2: fucking forty pound or something. In the uh, title. Yeah. we were fighting the crown. Not true. Should have taken it, Rosie. Take <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stuart Graham plays Tom Cullen. Which is very good. Uh, he's the fella, you know, he gets taken at the very start. He's yeah. just, his name's just picked out of the book. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, too. You can't uh, get out of But uh, yes, that, <laughs> that was a really good, uh, well, we'll get to the
2: spot, but that was a really good twist in that little exchange there, but uh, it. Yeah, and uh, Sean McGinley plays uh, Smith from the castle. He's the fella at the very start. He uh, picks out the... Yeah, the ringleader. The, the ringleader's raisin Of this little farce. And uh, he said... These Fenians are uh, going to threaten us. He says that later on. Very good actor. I've seen him before in different films as well. Different parts. Some films he's a very, very nice man. Other films he's a scumbag. Liam Neeson's obviously the main actor in this, so I had to do some research on him. He'll be happy to know. I have his address. Yes, I have his address.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. I do. Can you put the address up on the show notes as a Google pin? I can't miss. I actually <laughs> you can actually get the,
2: the coordinates and the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Liam Neeson is 68 years old. this year. He's 68 years old? Yes, he was born in the 7th of June, 1952. His name's Liam John Neeson. His address is 111 West 67th Street, New York, 10023 USA, Millbrook, Okay, that, that was actually a lot more <laughs> accurate than I was expecting. <laughs> well, what can I say, Nick? He's called for it,
0: so uh, I called for it, but now I want Julia Roberts' address.
1: Well, I, I, bet, you, I bet you he just hacked into the MI. Well, I say hacked in. He probably just uh, logged in with his uh, supervisor's admin password to the MI6. Uh, with in, his past-
0: British credentials?
2: Exactly. He got the Castle files to get Leon Easton's address. Yeah. I, I smuggled the Neeson into the Castle. Yeah. <laughs> <thing. laughs> I'll start by saying he got into acting uh, when he was young. The first thing that got him into acting was that he used to sneak into C.E.A.N. Paisley in the Free Presbyterian Church doing his sermons and Bible bashing. And he, he thought to himself that it was like acting and it was a really, really stern way of doing acting. He said he had a magnificent presence and it was incredible to watch him just Bible thumping away. <laughs> it was acting, but it was also great acting and stirring too. Yeah, that's true. Like,
1: Paisley is very... Like, he had like, a Shakespearean
2: character, or he was. Yeah. Throwing stones
0: at people at the tall at March before the second bloody Sunday in Ireland. Yeah,
1: because Liam Neeson was actually
2: from uh, Ballymena. Yeah, he's yeah. from Ballymena. He's uh, got the key
0: to Ballymena. Yeah, I'll tell
2: you that. Um Should we never be short of a hero Yeah. So, in the year 2000, Neeson was offered freedom with the town of Ballymena by the Ballymena Borough Council. Uh, but because of objections made by the members of the Democratic Unionist Party... He's obviously a DUP. Why? Yeah, because he was head of it one now. At, on. at a time, he said he felt like a, set, a second-class citizen growing up in, a, in a, I was a Catholic in the town. And he declined the award, intentions. intentions. Uh, following the controversy, Neeson wrote a letter to the council stating, I will always remain very proud of my upbringing in an association with the town and the country of my birth, which I will continue to promote at every opportunity. Indeed, I regard the enduring support over the years from all sections of the community in Ballymena as being more than sufficient recognition for any success which I may have achieved as an actor. Very good. Um, he and he ended up giving them the freedom in 2013. So, he's actually <laughs> on the list. He's something that he's about number 78 on the list of Irish philanthropists. He actually turned it down. He did turn it down OBE. Right. And then and later on, he took it because he wanted... I think it's because he kind of got into reconciliation things and all, so he's, they wanted him to take it, you know? And gave had a face of uh, reconciliation. So they wanted him to so take um, it, so... his wife died in a skiing accident? Yeah, so he met his wife. They actually starred in a the, the, um, TV show together and then later were both in the film Nell together. Really cool Her thing. name is Miranda Richardson. She's actually the daughter of, is uh, it Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, uh, Plays the actress in Downton Abbey, the grandmother, and she's in Sylvia. Uh, she is her, yeah. So, so, so he, he married the circles then? He actually the yeah. He to, um, when I was doing some research on I mean, it after she died. Um, yeah, he doesn't actually drink anymore. He actually had, he said he nobody really knew you, but he actually ended up going on the, the drink a bit. He said that every night before he went to bed, he had three or four bottles of wine. And they'll Sorry. be
0: really new. <laughs> it's alright. If you start at 7 and finish at 11, that's
2: alright. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm having three or four bottles of gin per co- podcast now, Hey yeah. went, went to Queen's studied physics in computer science, and then he became a forklift driver for Guinness. Yes. Ah, very nice, very nice. Yeah, well, actually... Er- treacherous even back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Interestingly, in, um, in the newsletter today, the Belfast newsletter, there was an article to say how the Holy Lands is the most segregated place in um the north of Ireland, so ninety seven percent of people who live in the Holy Lands are Catholic. The other three percent are like Gimmigans. <laughs> no, no, the other three percent is or New Irish, Or are, are New Irish or Protestants. But yeah. um, that they were saying how terrible this is, how the Queens, how Queens have really got a sectarian university. It is a cold house for Protestants more days apparently
1: it. so. That's probably because. The more well-off
0: Protestant students live in Strangmills. Exactly, they live in the they live in the good part of the city. They yeah. live in the Lisbon Road and Strangmills. They don't have to live in the poor slums that we had to live in. And actually, thank God they we're getting the university like we weren't allowed to before because of the British government and the apartheid state that was uh, that was set up under the guise of the Northern Ireland Parliament after Michael Collins signed us away. But I'll get into that later in the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's for part
2: three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's for part three. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say a Quincy was
2: discovered. This is a good wee fact here, and I this is this is funny. A Quincy discovered a talent for football and was spotted by Sean Thomas of Bohemians FC. There was a club trial in Dublin, and Neeson played one game as a substitute against Shamrock Rovers, but was was never offered a contract. He came on for five minutes at the end, and they said, "No, we don't want you." Put on centre back Um... He uh, joined the Lyric Players Theatre in Belfast. Oh, so uh, have, the, have you
0: been there been I I have not been employed by the Lyric Theatre. <laughs> no. Why have uh, you uh, not been employed? Another
1: glaring uh, empty check on the bucket list. <laughs> the, the, the Lyric Theatre.
0: But now you're on the Chatting Pictures podcast, so you know, exactly. you've know you had the last laugh. Exactly. My
1: laugh longest. <laughs> <laughs> so the Lyric Theatre now is the major theatre in Belfast along with the Mac. But back when Liam Neeson would have been doing it, it would have just... It would have been just a sort of church hall with a, a stage at the top of it that they could that they could uh, you know spruce up to have public performances in. Um, so that, that like in similar way, the GAA was like a sort of ground up um, uh, organisation that uh, just took uh, just took an idea and ran with it. You could say the same about the Abbey Theatre in Dublin and the Lyric Theatre uh, latterly in Belfast. Uh, that it's, now, it's, it's an amazing building now I've like uh, yeah, uh, seen a couple of places I've seen uh, Streetcar and Desire and a few other ones in, in both the two stages they have now so they're so big they've got a 800-seater and a 200-seater uh, like um,
0: and this is why socialism works this is why capitalism doesn't work when you invest into the infrastructure then everyone benefits from it we're not living in slums exactly. like the British want us to you know, thank God we got a toilet in our house now. And actually, there's and um, yeah, exactly. And there's another person who actually helped is uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who doesn't get enough uh, credit for it. But in the English media, all he's painted as is an IRA sympathizer and a terrorist himself, and an anti-Semite. Yes, exactly. He is not an
1: anti-Semite. They portray him as well. that's yeah. what I mean. But yes, because uh, I, I realised after I said earlier uh, by John Major, he was the, the courage it took for him, Jeremy Corbyn, as an MP of the UK Parliament, to go into West Belfast, which was a war zone at the time, with an English accent, with a you know a high profile. The courage that took to go in there uh, with the intention of brokering some sort of peace, to actually for him to actually do that, should be fucking lauded like do you know what I mean it should be it, it should be deified almost for that uh, for taking those steps but as you say it's used against them as a something to batter them with yeah you'll notice all the papers that do that are all papers like The Express uh, which The has Daily Mail The Daily Mail the, uh, and The Times and The Daily Telegraph every single one of those papers has the insignia of the Empire on it or a representation of the Empire Yeah, The like Express as a crusader an like, actual crusader yes. on their go-go. The Times is a man on the unicorn, which is England and Scotland, and the crown in between, the crown of the empire. Telegraph the same, the Daily Mail the same. Daily Mail's got the crown, yeah. They're just, you know, voice boxes for imperialism. Like.
0: Some would say they're agents of the British state. Yeah. If only Michael Collins is around now, <laughs> he would uh, definitely
2: do something about that. It's just a it's just mentality at the end of the day. They don't, it's, I don't. I think it's just in general the people's grown up. Not, you know the way people say about different privileges and all? I think they just don't realise... Because it's a grown-up in this culture where like, they think you're a pinnacle of civilization, yeah, so, the, the English, the, yeah. the, the, the sort of white hole type. Yeah, but have you
0: seen how shit their palaces compared to like the French palaces and the <laughs> German palaces? It's a shithole. They're a shithole.
2: They're right. in If you got rid of the royal family, there'll be no tourists in England, according to that. Ah, oh, fuck <laughs> because off. Because you know that there's no tourists going to see the palace for sale.
0: No, but you, the actually interesting thing is France has got so much more tourists. Paris have so much more tourists. But if you get rid of the 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 head of the British monarchy, QE2 herself, <laughs> you know, uh, no one's going to go visit Buckingham Palace. And maybe they won't, because A, it's a shithole. It's shit. I've actually worked
1: there twice. Really,
0: Macca, get out! It went downhill once, Macca. I was actually surprised it
1: passed the security, unless their security is pretty shite. My
0: uncle Jim works at Buckingham Palace, and I'm surprised he passed the security because he was the orchestrator of an OMA Tech the the walkout of Oma, of the Catholic students in OMA Tech. So he um, he was walking to school one day in the Tech doing uh, brickwork and. Um, He's looked up and he's seen the Union Jack flying from the tech. And he says, I'm not fucking going in there That Union Jacks flying. And he got the whole people, like, everyone was outside saying we're not going in. And what do you call that politician, the dairy politician, when she asked the LP? Bernadette Davlin. Bernadette Davlin. He's, they were chanting, get Bernadette Davlin down here now. Get Bernadette Davlin down here now. And Bernadette Davlin came to it. And the Union Jack was taken down the next week. <laughs> Yo. Exactly. This is what people power does. Yeah. And interestingly, so when nice I yeah. yeah, and when I was in um, Vienna, I went. Um, I was in a, a museum in Vienna. There actually was a picture of Bernadette Devlin, the civil rights campaigner, in Vienna, in a Vienna museum, which I think is amazing.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. The, the Irish
1: revolutionaries are renowned across the world than in non English speaking countries. They they are they're revered like like there's there's streets in Cuba named after all the hunger
0: strikers. There is hunger striker statue in Havana Town Square. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, the,
0: uh, but they're the bad IRA. Of course, yes. Of yeah, course, of course. Yeah. You know, even from the the free state, we're the bad out there. The bad IRA, but theirs was good. And uh,
1: well, th- this film. Uh, to go back to the film, <laughs> some, <laughs> some point in the podcast, uh, part three of five. <laughs> uh, this film won the top award at the Venice Film Festival. Yes, uh, and uh, you know. And, uh, they Mason won the best actor. Yeah. People who wouldn't be familiar with the history of Ireland, uh, it is a brilliant representation. It's such a it's such a, a, a small package. It, it represented so much of the Irish history
0: in two hours fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, and, and foreign audiences absolutely loved it. And it, it I'm surprised it's not in the, it, it's not the two fifty. have to be top two fifty. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not. But you know, outside English speaking world, like. The Irish struggle is is renowned. At, like even going to Ned Kelly in Australia, like, yeah. You know these are these are legends, and people absolutely adore them. Like,
0: and we're still struggling. We're still struggling.
1: Yeah. Like I, I had Hungarian people tell me, "Oh yeah, you guys, we're, we're behind you guys." Yeah, and, and yeah. The Catalans, the Catalans, and the Basque and the Galicians, and all yeah. they, they all, you know, because they're all also going against the crown in Spain. Which we forget. Yes. Because they're not quite as uh, extravagant. You know, the King of Spain uh, dresses in a shirt and tie and a blizzard. Whereas the Queen goes a gold in a gold-plated carriage.
0: Follow regalia until she's too old to do it. Yeah. Well, she can't even wear the
1: crown on her head anymore because it's too heavy. Because yeah. she's 96 or whatever now. Really. Yeah.
0: Like, that
1: is fucking perverse, the fact they're making her do this.
0: But they're not making her do that.
1: Well, you know, the, the, the Empire, the imperial, imperialistic structures
0: are making a 96-year-old woman perform these duties. <laughs> and it's fucking... I, no, it's not, I, I, I completely that. disagree. She wants to perform them duties. She could easily, because it happened in Japan. The Emperor of Japan passed it down to his son. So she could pass it down to Charis. But who wants that tampon-loving person to be king? That no one. Year three. Exactly. I would actually like him to be a, a, a
1: nomination for president in Britain. But obviously... Not not our part, obviously, but because I actually think he's got quite a lot of things, positive things to say, and I'd actually like him as a as a public figure to be able to say them, and he won't be if he's the monarch. He actually Do does I mean? say
0: quite a lot of good things about the environment. He's been chatting yeah. about the environment for years and years and exactly, years. Exactly, And he, he, he doesn't seem like too bad of a person from what I know of him like. Um I mean, he just had an affair on his wife and was phoning his lover on his honeymoon, but you know, he doesn't seem like a horrible person. People have more you <laughs> like I, I don't hold that against them. I, mean, I don't hold it against him because obviously they obviously he didn't want he didn't want to get, married, want to get married, married in the first place. He was told by well, Mountbatten exactly. Batten, by Mount Batten yeah. to go according to the crown. I can't verify this. <laughs> maybe they've verified this. I know it's in that news reports that uh, the the, the, the right wing media says that oh that's terrible, Mountbatten never told him to do that go and do your duty. You know, we want to be with Diana. That's a narrative that they are putting out. But obviously, the reality of the situation is the British monarchy made him marry Diana, made him destroy a woman's life until she died in Paris. Yeah. That's what the British monarchy done.
1: All for, all for the reason, of, you know, um, the reason these marriages exist, like marriage in general, and this is me on my soapbox again, it's just, it's, it's just a contract of
0: properties. You know, How do you think Austria became such a big, uh, Austria-Hungary without firing a shot? All right, exactly.
1: There's there's it's a it's a tool of empire, like the the idea of marriage, and um, obviously you know dedicating yourself to one other person for the whole of your life is obviously a very important thing between two people, an interpersonal thing. But the the institution and the structure of marriage is literally just a contract of property. So it's really easy to sign. It's really difficult to unsign. That's why divorce is so difficult. You know because it goes to the very essence of their empire. And of is basically. How much land mass can we be in control of? Well, if I marry the farm, the farm daughter, we will have two farms, and suddenly our farms will grow. Uh, or it'll be, I'll marry the the king, the king's daughter of the
2: country next door, so I will build a new empire. I actually thought that Michael was going to say, I'll marry the king of Siam. I was like, it doesn't exist anymore, right? He went to the Lark Theatre in Belfast, then he, was, he moved to Dublin in 1978 and joined the Abbey Theatre as all actors seem to do uh, in 1980 filmmaker John Boardman saw him on stage as Lenny Small in Of Mason and Men oh, yeah. which is a class class, class is there eight. a movie of Of Mason and Men there yeah is. yeah with John Malkovich plays the same character Lenny it's an American movie though. Yeah. it's an American story it's very good
0: it is it's very a classic one movie we could add to
2: the list <laughs> uh, it's not
1: Irish one the expanded list yeah well,
2: it's not not kind of feature it. Um, so he he, was, he offered him the role of Sir Goyan in uh, Excalibur, the film Excalibur, which uh, Helen Mirren was also in, as it turned out. He liked, liked her so much, he ended up staying in uh, England with her. Here yeah, I would have too. Would you? Did he not, was he not kissing her at some point? Yes, that's what I mean. Like, Hal
0: Helen Mirren, the Queen herself. The Queen herself,
2: yeah. Also the mother of a hunger shark. And yes. some other son. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. Between 1982 and 87, he started five films. Most notably, probably um, The Bounty with Mel Gibson and Natalie Hopkins. Isn't it. He the in the I have to tell you how you got there first here. I'll tell you how you got there. In my opinion, Liam Neeson's best film was directed by Sam Raimi. And it is Darkman. I love the film Darkman. So Sam Raimi really wanted to make Batman, and they wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> so he decided, and he made up his own comic character about a, ma- a scientist, who gr- is uh, working to help burn victims graft skin, so that mobsters blow up his building and burn it down. He's a burnt man, right? He's so filled with rage, he goes on revenge, and he's, he can wear any mask he wants, but on his wrist. So. I'll give you the big achievements then. Uh, rundown of them uh, We've already said That he won The Best Actor Award in 96th Spanish Film Festival For Michael Collins But He was also nominated For an Oscar I As know Oscar
0: And Oscar Schindler Yes Oscar Who makes lifts Schindler does <laughs> make lifts That is true Yeah And actually What's interesting In the British War Museum The lift is Schindler So it's Schindler's lift
2: yeah, There's a shelter left in the war museum, the imperial war museum. I think, it, yes, the
0: imperial war <laughs> museum. I wonder in the imperial war museum, does have a statue of Michael Collins? I don't think so. No. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, lots of
1: Kevin Spacey's going around in the studio. I was
0: gonna say, where is St. Kevin? Yeah, and, yeah, and they, they, hear, they heard that in the last episode. So Kevin will be making an appearance later on after Maca does his uh director, so I'm um, Continue with
2: uh, the actors. Okay, well, he was nominated, as I said, for Oscar Schindler, Martin, you're right, that was 93. Do you know who he was beaten by? It was uh, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Uh. And because, it's funny because uh, Liam Neeson once said in a skit that he had full blue leads as well. Oh, <laughs> that, was one of them after. that was a brilliant sketch, but, actually. That wasn't even one of the things... <laughs> Yeah. We have to mention, but we do have to mention well, that. We will mention that was a skit in uh, Life Too Short while well, Warwick Davis written by Rick Gervais of Warwick Davis also starred in Star Wars with him as Qui-Chan Jinn. Okay, we don't need the spider web of the IMDb yeah. algorithms. Well, I was going <laughs> to say he was in Star Wars as well. He was also uh, in Star Wars. And yeah. he was picked by George Lucas because he was a master actor according to George Lucas. He it, is actually genuinely a brilliant,
1: brilliant actor. Like uh, To cast him as, as Oscar Schindler was so out of nowhere like it was uh, like as he said all he'd done was like this cheap horror movie Um and it did sort of resemble Oscar Schindler but he wasn't Jewish or he
2: wasn't well Oscar Schindler wasn't Jewish either was he? Oscar Schindler no he was um, they don't actually quite they don't really like him I have to say because they actually name him from starting the war but he uh, supposedly he actually smuggled Nazi uniforms and put them on people Uh to, to make it seem as though they were trying to go after the German army in a part that started the war in the first place. Oster Schindler did this? Obviously. Yes. Not Liam Neeson? No. <laughs> Schindler did this. Uh, they, they, he's not a well-liked man, I have to say. I have uh... He's loved by Sir Ben Kingsley. His character in... <laughs> <laughs> Sir
0: Ben Kingsley
2: made an appearance in the last podcast, which she yeah. had... Beef with there? Yeah, well, I was disappointed by him in Oster and Schindler's List because he wasn't blacked up at the time, which he really <laughs> likes to do. No, he prefers to brown up. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: Does he like her. to tan up? The black and tan.
2: Well, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, there's something you've been massively missing, apart from <laughs> him beating up boys in that class film, The Grey.
0: I wanted to see that movie and I haven't seen it. No, Is it I'm an Irish like, movie?
1: No, it's not yeah, Irish. It's not but, but he plays—he he just plays his own voice, like he's just the Irish boy. So basically it's this like, uh, like oil refinery out in Alaska somewhere and he's just sort of the perimeter guard and um, uh, they get attacked
2: by a bunch of wolves and he beats the wolves. I love wolves, wolves are cool. Uh, Liam Neeson, uh, so he was nominated for three Golden Globes for Oscar Summer, Michael Collins and Kinsey. Yes, Kinsey actually, it's uh, so uh, another,
1: another movie, uh, again completely against hype, you know Kinsey? No. So as a sex positive person, you should be very, you should be, you should be on top of this, uh, Kinsey. I'm never
0: on top, Maka.
1: <laughs> oh. No, <laughs>
0: I jest, I jest. <laughs> uh, Kinsey is like
1: a, another biopic he did about uh, an academic who who tried to establish what the human sexuality was um, in American fifties, maybe.
0: Yeah, the Kinsey scale the of, scale, um, yeah. of, uh, of okay. sexuality. Yes, yeah, There's yeah. an institute. I-
2: Tamed yeah. America, yeah. Well, it wasn't a it wasn't a great film Mike, but It wasn't great, but he was quite good in it. Uh, yeah. uh, obviously say we all know that he played the great great Brian Mills in Who? Taken. Oh, ah yeah. yes,
0: Taken was a brilliant uh, film. Um
2: played Rob Roy McGregor.
0: Where he where he hidden inside a cow. <laughs> he did, yes. The interesting thing yeah. about Liam Neeson is that all these old actors in Hollywood are really jealous that he gets all these action roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Well, he's about six foot six years old. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's building a brick shit house. He was fill a
2: door family. Like. Yeah, there's two men in Hollywood that I could just sit and watch Roman for an hour. One is Tom Cruise. And the other one is Liam Neeson. <laughs> this is the way it runs. This Vulcan run. That's the like pendulum force <laughs> yeah.
1: acting as a as a force sort of like perpetual motion or something. Yeah. <laughs> but the one we all want to chat about here uh, is the Kosh incident. Yes.
0: So no, so hold on a second here. What is the Kosh incident? It's a Kosh for beating people around the
2: head, yeah. morning. Right. I want to hear about this. Like well. Chilely sort of thing. Well, back. In the day when he was a working actor, was it London? One of his uh, friends, um, a young lady, said that she was raped, and uh, well, told told him, told him, and um, uh, explained to him that she had just been raped. Yeah, and he was he was on a talk show, um, this talking about this for a film that he was doing, and he just he just decided to come out with a story about how this happened, and at the time he asked. Uh, who was the black bastard? No, uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to explain. Right? Right. You Yeah, because you, you, you skipped
1: over quite <laughs> a lot of these. Yeah,
0: and yeah. like I don't know about. No, I, but i not that
3: one. So, about three,
1: two or three years ago, uh, he was promoting a movie about uh, male uh, aggression, and he part of the interview. It was a long form interview. Uh, he was asked, uh, "Did he ever feel this sort of primal aggression?" And he said, yes, when, uh, you know, back in the early of my career, I had this, uh, get this you know, thing happened where my friend told me she'd been raped. And I was just in such a uh, such a state of primal anger. The only detail he had was that the person was black. So he said he went and got a hush and wanted to go out and get any black bastard. The phrase he used. Yes,
0: I did hear this, yeah.
2: So, pick it up from there, he went or, well, yeah, so after that, the FC went, he was on uh, Ricky Lake and they done a long interview because they were talking about it, because uh, they wanted to find out about what, why he said this. He goes, it's awful, but I did learn a lesson from it, when I eventually thought, what the fuck are you doing? In an appearance on Good Morning America, Neeson elaborated on his experience, while denying being racist, saying the incident occurred nearly 40 years ago, that he, uh, that he asked for physical attributes of the rapist other than race that he would have done the same if the rapist was a Scot or a Brit or a Lithuanian, that he had purposely gone into black areas of the city, and that he did seek help and counselling from a priest as well as friends after coming to the census. Neeson said that the lesson of his experience was to open up to talk about these things, including toxic masculinity and underlying racism and bigotry in both the United States and Northern Ireland. Well, and where? Yeah, well, I'm quoting him, Morty. Oh, sorry. Put a pin on that last little thing you said.
1: Mm-hmm. Morty, what is your reaction to that? Have you
0: heard this bit more? Um, I kind of think that this is... Um, there is definitely a culture of underlying racism. People have a subconscious thing that we're all racist, you know what I mean? Like, we are we are subconsciously... We hate the Brits, subconsciously. Unconsciously. <laughs> no. Um, it's like, something that you said can actually be completely blown out of proportion like massively massively blown out of proportion. people's asking you for your opinions and when you give it to them then they latch on to one thing that you've said and edit it down to make it look like you're the worst person in the world that is one. Second of all is that there is a massive underlying racism culture problem that we all have that maybe we need to look at and fix the,
1: there is sort of a, a primal sort of hunter-gatherer suspicion of things that are different because they're not part of your tribe. Yeah. And that's what that's that's been expanded, you know, over millennia and centuries and all this. So yeah, that, that, that is true. Um, but he was growing up in the nineteen seventies, remember, Belfast or London, whatever it was. So he had this primal fear and it was um it was sort of implanted into him in his surrounding
0: environment. Yeah, but he, he lived Which, in Balamina. Like he lived in Balamina. So, so he clearly, never seen a black person before? He never like seen a black person, black but but what he actually did experience was he was at the negative side of the receiving end yeah he was at the receiving end of oppression and then what did he think well how am I going to get out of this I'm going to do what them people done to me and I'm going to oppress someone else
1: he was describing just a moment as I said of absolute primal primal rage where it was just like uh, you know an instinct kicks in where you have to protect your loved ones yeah he was describing that 30 or 40 years after the fact and it became the biggest thing like the biggest scandal, as you say, that he's a black bastard, and he's going to catch a black bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he was doing was what everyone is telling men to do, which is expressing their feelings. Yeah. And look at the backlash he got. Yeah. He, he like for men have to express rage, right? And every time they do, they get fucking nothing but grief for it. So what do they stop doing is expressing themselves in yeah. sort of uh, you know angry or uh, you know. Because anger is an energy. Anger is a very raw emotion. And yet, you know, we're expected to, you know, put it down into a nice wee box and never, uh, you know, have have all our emotions. Even when you're speaking now, even when you're in a, in a WhatsApp group, you have to express them as if you're writing a, a lawyer's letter. Like You can't just, <laughs> yeah. you can't just like uh, have a volley of emotion. So the backlash that that receives yeah, you know, it was such a negative message to be sending to people, you know, when, when there is a serious issue with masculinity right now, because nobody,
2: men have no, um, they've no use, they've no utility anymore, really. I remember at the time, there was so much backlash about it. People came out to defend him. I think one of the big defenders that came John out Barnes. here was John Barnes, yeah. He came out and he was like, oh well, this is what he was like, blown out. I, yeah. I, I respect the fact that he comes out and says this and that he shows like, himself he's learnt about it and he came out and said it so that people would know he didn't think it was like he knew it was bad himself over all those years but he's able to talk about it now and not hide away from it exactly like um, um you know black people are
1: not stupid they know when a racist person is saying non-racist stuff yeah. yeah and they know when somebody is saying something that on paper is racist does not necessarily make them a racist person yeah he, he expressed that sheer sort of uh, evolutionary sort of like uh, rage that just makes you want to just, just like absolutely take the life out of something that is threatening your safety because as a as a species that's in our that's in our collective memory like we have to snuff out our dangers.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So that's award ceremonies. <laughs> <laughs>
3: our Irish podcast awards going right our way. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so it's <Inside> like that. <laughs> the, the only last things I'll tell you is that. Um, Phil Coulter composed a song for his wedding. Really? You know the famous Phil Coulter? Uh,
0: Phil Coulter also won the Eurovision Song Contest for Great Britain with Puppet on a String and also wrote,
2: also wrote, congratulations. Uh, In celebration. Yes. Yes. Um, As of 2015, Liam Neeson's appeared in three films that was nominated for Best Picture. The Mission, Schindler's List and Gangs of New York. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
2: Where he was actually meant to play a different character in Gangs New York. He was meant to play Br- Brendan Gleason's character. But after reading the script, he said, no, I'm going to play this face uh, guy. Because it's such a weird part. he, <laughs> he was in, uh, for two seconds. He read the script and
1: he, he saw the production difficulties. was uh, just give me that one. It's going on in the first five minutes. Yeah. Well, uh, we
2: can't
0: get more into Gangs of New York as we talked about it last week on the podcast. Uh, so. did we? Yes. Well, I do not remember that. I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. That's because we recorded it eight weeks ago. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Other than that... Um, well, what is time in 2020? <laughs> um, sad news is that his mother, Kitty died this year in June. Uh, unfortunately, because of the COVID, Liam Neeson couldn't go over for the funeral. Oh, battle, you know? oh that's actually not nice. Yeah, so
0: that was bad. Um, go ahead. He could have went over to it, but do you know why he couldn't go on? Because the media would attack him. They would have just kept bringing up Bobby stories, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. Now, there's, 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 that was brought up this week. There is another problem as well. It's like, if you are, like, from a Catholic community background, let's say, anything that you do is, like, you know, just sprung on by the British media yeah. to spin it into why that there needs to be a, and I'm using air quotes here, Northern Ireland.
1: That, and I, I will bring up, you brought, you, it was brought up this week by Stephen Noland. Yeah. Oh. The highest paid presenter on the BBC after Gary Linegar, and his entire remit is to divide and conquer the orange and the green. And he must be doing it so well that they're giving him the best remuneration. Of any, uh, of any of their presenters. And that doesn't
0: include the money that comes from his uh, production company. And that then, That is just his salary. That's not yeah. anything to do with the Nolan show on TV. Yeah, or, and yeah. That's just from radio. So what he gets from TV must be a lot more. Exactly,
1: exactly. But the fact that his radio salary for that Radio Luster show every morning, which has now been overtaken by Cool FM, thank fuck. What do you want to admit to? Well, thank fuck uh, that the people... But people are turning off that show. Yeah, exactly. But he, his—that that is clearly his remit, or else they wouldn't be paying him so well. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, so the BBC, which gets its existence from the Royal Charter, yes. is, is just a propaganda
2: uh, tool. For the British Empire. Yeah. I was chatting to uh, Susan this week, and she said, you know the film Silence? Um, Martin Scorsese? Um, yeah, Martin Scorsese directed Silence, so Alan Driver and uh, Andrew we, Garfield, and we the we at the time, Liam Neeson was doing a lot of films uh, about action films and everything, and she saw she saw that all uh, well, Liam Neeson's in this film and the, about these uh, priests going to Japan, and she thought, it was gonna be like this kung fu kind of film because they're all wearing black, like The Matrix." So she decided that that her and her sister, she took her sister to it, and they went to watch it, and it's a three-hour film about Jesuit priests trying to turn. Uh, People in feudal Japan and the (laughs) Catholicism in in Italian (laughs) and Japanese, and Liam Leeson's in it for about 13 minutes, (laughs) and she sat there for three hours watching it. (laughs) This
0: sounds like me and William went to see Changing
2: Lanes. Oh my god, I I get it! Ah,
0: we went to the cinema, and it was the first time. I ever thought about getting up and walking out of a movie. Yeah, I hated changing uh, the cinema. I watched it on TV since and thought
2: it was far
0: better. Uh, but in the it's cinema... A, it's
2: just a the concept, concept of a movie. Like. Yeah, in
0: the cinema. I uh, didn't know what it was in the cinema. I was just like... It was, it was horrible. I hated it. I hated, I hated it. it. I hated it. And what I actually <laughs> also hate about Oma Cinema now is that you can't even go in and buy a thing of poppets anymore. You can't go in and buy a small thing of crisps. It's all like to get as fat like Americans. And like any Americans listen to the show, you might think that we don't like you. It's not that you don't like, like
1: U.S.ians. America yes
0: Yeah, <laughs> big shout out to Argentina this week for yeah. someone from Argentina listening to our podcast. So thanks very much. Our Argentina is definitely one of our favorite countries in the Americas because they went to war with the British, I just know. like us. I yeah. also like their hand of in God. Well, indeed. Yeah, so <laughs> <so they're laughs> right. I'm in New Zealand. The
1: will yeah.
0: Um. William. Uh, Julia uh, Roberts was also in this movie. Julia Roberts is in this film. Probably and the um, biggest
2: build star in the movie. She is the biggest. Uh, I. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. She definitely is. Um. Her part, it's a, it's a main part. There's probably four main characters in the film: Michael Collins, Kitty, Harry, and Eamon devil I would say um, she has a big part in it.
0: Uh, she was good at.
2: She was very good at. But um, I
0: think she was spectacular. To be quite honest, I, I, I I'm, going to, I'm going to bat in her corner.
2: I, th- I think she
1: was. She she did exactly what the movie needed. She did do what the movie needed. And
0: didn't get in the way. Yeah, she didn't get in the way in the story at all. She played that supporting role perfectly. And not only that, is that her accent was really good. I had no problems with (laughs) it. I don't understand where this this backlash
1: is coming from.
0: Because the backlash comes from is that if you're an actor, you can act a different part. You know what I mean? Like, this is where this... Like, she's not allowed to be an Irish person. Because, you know, the the Irish have... um, once they got their free state, and <laughs> once then they got their air quotes republic, and um, they think that they are like this like indigenous population of which that we aren't up in the north. Uh, we're, we're the foreign species. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, we're not. We don't come from the same the same class as they do. Um, yeah, just to remind everyone, Marty actually lives and works
1: in Dublin, so he's seeing this from a, a primary. Re-
0: yes, and I'm and I'm a Nordic, and every the amount of people in work that turns around to me and says. What part of Donegal are you from? And I'd like to, I always point out to them that Donegal is the most northern part of the island. So don't turn around to me and say, what well, part of Donegal are you from? Isaac, like, you're living in West Britain right here, right now. So uh, anyway. Say your prayers. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to part one of three of Michael Collins. Come back next week for part two.